For a scripture reading, I'd like to read the seventh psalm. Psalms 7, beginning at verse 1. O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. Lest he tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces while there is none to deliver. O my Lord, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, have I delivered him that without cause is mine enemy. Let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust, Selah. Arise, O Lord, in thine anger, lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies, and awake for me to judge the judgment that thou hast commanded. So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about. For their sakes, therefore, return thou on high. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just, for the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. Behold, he travaileth in iniquity, with iniquity, and hath conceived mischief and brought forth falsehood. He made a pit and digged it with his and his fallen and is fallen into the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealings shall come upon his own pate. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Amen. Listen to these words, though. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see. Christ only, always living in me. Did you catch that? Isn't that our desire is that the world might see the Lord in us? And I know that there's a lot of preachers who stand in pulpits and try to declare that if you don't, if the Lord don't, if they don't see the Lord in you, you're not saved, and, and so on and such on. That's not why God's people want to see the Lord in us. We want people to see the Lord in us that they might have the Lord speak to them. And I'll give you an example of that here in just a moment. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, you don't need to turn it, I'm going to read it for you. Examine yourselves, it says. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he says to them, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Examine yourselves. Am I in the faith? Am I in the faith putting my trust in the Lord for everything? And that includes... Every speck of my salvation. Am I, am I putting any faith in my coming to Christ? If you are, you're putting your faith in a failure. Am I putting any faith in the works that I do now that the Lord has saved me? If you do, you're putting your faith in a failure. 
But if your faith is the one who has begun a good work in you and will finish it till the day of his return, if your faith is in him, that's a good faith. Am I in that faith? Do those who walk in the world that I walk in see that faith? I shared this with some folks on Friday night, and I'm going to share it again this morning. Kathy and I went to the services for Arlie Valdon. You remember the elderly gentleman that lived with us here in the, in the residence for a, a short period of time uh, while he was waiting for his home down in Folsom. And then he moved into the home in Folsom, and I would go and spend as much time as I could with him. He had no other children. His wife had died and gone on. His sister, his only living relative, lives way up in Orland somewhere, out in a ranch, and can't hardly ever get down here. And, that, and I understand, that's a long ways to go. So being the closest one and being my neighbor for 33 years, I thought it would be good for me to spend as much time. And I'm thankful I was able to. I'm really thankful that I was able to get to know him in a more intimate way than I did living across the street from him. See, Arlie proved during these last year that he was a great guy as the guy I knew living across the street. But knowing him even closer, he was a wonderful man. But he didn't know God. Oh, he believed there was something, just as all mankind do. There's something. He just didn't believe in the true and living God. He'd never heard about it. He'd been raised a Catholic. He'd been raised to know, to think that men were those that he should go to for his reconciliation with God. He'd never been heard of the only one who can reconcile you to God. These folks who knew Arlie, they were good people, and once again, they didn't know God either. It's our tendency to say this phrase, isn't it? Oh, they're in such a better place. That's what I told the group. I was allowed to bring a short message. And I told them, I said, that's our tendency to say he, he's in a better place now. How do you know? How do you know? There's only two places to go. One is a better place and the other is not. The other is eternal torment. The other is the wages of sin, eternal death. How do you know? And then I told him this, and this may shock some of you at first, but I told the group there, I said, you know, it just so happens that I too believe he could be in a better place. What? You see, our Lord tells us in Romans, whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are you going to call on someone you've never heard of? And I'm paraphrasing. How are you going to call on somebody you've never heard of? Arlie never heard of the true and living God. How's he going to call on somebody that he's never heard of? How are you going to believe in somebody you've never heard of? I, too, truly believe that he could be in a better place. I know that the God of salvation, the very God who has saved me, the very God who has saved all of his people, can save them to the uttermost whenever he wants to, and by any means that he decides to. But he does tell us that we are saved under the preaching, under the foolish preaching of his word. 
And as a child of God, my walk through this world, there's a light that's shining in me. And I can tell you this, I see the same light in you folks. Now, don't take me wrong. I'm not trying to say this is a proof of your salvation. I'm trying to say that if, if you're saved, this light is going to be in you. And the light is this, that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He's God Almighty. He's the creator of everything. He's my Lord. Is he yours? I hear you say he is. That's the light of Jesus shining in your life. That's the very one who grabbed a hold of that old dark heart that lived in sin and loved sin, pulled it out, and put a heart of light in there instead, giving life. It's called quickening. Isn't that what Scripture calls it? Quickening, making alive? It's called quickening the Spirit. I've walked with Arlie at least twice a month, sometimes all four weeks of the month. I would go down and we would take walks and we would talk around the building if, if nothing else. Sometimes we would just sit in his room, but for the most part we would get out. Thankfully to the men of this church, he had a scooter that he could get around on. But we would go for walks. I know you know what I'm talking about. I know, Mike Lesher, you know exactly what I'm talking about because I've heard you around those around you. And I've heard your actions, I've heard your words. He'll be on the roof talking to the Lord. Not just in front of God's people, but in front of anybody that the Lord brings around him. That's the light of Christ in us. That's Christ doing the work in us. It's not something that we're doing to save ourselves. It's something we're doing because God has saved us. We want to glorify our Savior by sharing with the world what is our peace in this world? It's our Savior. It's the Lord himself. This is the light in you. The light that shineth in our hearts. And Arlie was one who saw that light in me. And because that light was in Arlie's life for a short period of time, our Lord can do anything with it. Do I know what the Lord did? Absolutely not. I have no idea. But I know this, he saved a man on the cross who was just about to die just moments before he died. How did he save that man on that cross that day? Through the preaching of his word. That man hung on that cross, he was railing against God the same way the other one was. Something changed him. In just the moment, in the blink of an eye. Something changed him and gave him a new heart to believe right there before he was about to die. Could Arlie be? Could he be? This very day in the presence of the Lord? Absolutely. And then I close with this. My hope is not in what Arlie was in this world. Was he a good man? Yes, but that's not where my hope is. Your hope might be, is what I said to those people. Your hope might be that he was a good man and he's in a better place. My hope is in a better hope. That's in the Lord Jesus. I told him, I said, you can't be around John Reeves. You ask my kids, they'll tell you. Yeah, Dad's always talking about his Lord in some way or another. Yeah. Maybe someday they'll have the Lord speak to their heart just as he spoke to ours.
Brother Mike mentions something about, Brother Mike Lovelace mentioned something about he wanted to be here a couple Friday nights back, but he also wanted to be where his grandchildren were playing down the street in the park, some sports. I don't know if it surprised him or not. This might surprise you, but I encouraged him to be there instead of here. Why? Because you never know how the Lord is going to use that light in you to shine in the hearts of one of your loved ones. Is it your dearest hope that your loved ones may come to know the Lord as you do? I want to consider our walk before the world. Does the gospel, the good news of Christ and Him crucified shine in you? Look with me, if you would, at verses 1 through 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. This is the ministry of every one of God's children. We have received mercy. We didn't just make a decision one day. God made the decision for us. When God offers his mercy, he doesn't offer it as something that can be refused. He puts the power of God behind it, and it is received. Verse 2, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Here's the verse I wanted to bring us to this morning. For God, who commanded. Did you notice that? What did I just say a moment ago? It comes with the power of God. It's the same power as I told those folks at the funeral. The same power that God has when the Lord Jesus himself said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus came forth. Did you know he was bound in his grave clothes? You know what they did back then? They wrapped him up like a mummy. They wrapped him up. They put a little towel over their faces and they'd wrap them up. They'd put oil on it to preserve their bodies like they do today. And I don't know if it was embalming fluid. I don't think it was that, but it was something. It said that they had to loose him. The Lord told them, loose him meaning cut him loose from the clothes that bound him. He came by the power of God. That's the Lord Jesus. He speaks with the power of God because he is God. He's God in the flesh. He's God manifest in the flesh. He is equal with the Father. Everything about the Lord Jesus Christ in characteristics, in knowledge, in will, in purpose can be found in Father and in the Spirit. They are one of mine. Three separate persons, one of mine. You cannot worship one 
you don't worship the other two. And if you worship the Lord Jesus, you worship all three. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God commands his light to shine in the hearts of his people. When the Lord asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And they answered, a prophet of this, a prophet of that. He said to Peter, who do you say that I am? My Lord, thou art the son of the living God. That means one who has all power. That means who is sovereign over all things. And our Lord Jesus said to him, blessed are you for flesh and blood have... Flesh and blood was standing right before him. Flesh and blood was standing right before this man who said, Thou, you, art the Son of God, with all power in heaven and earth. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven, the very one who commands the light to shine in us. The very one who brings us to the to the point where we cry out to him, Lord. We call him Lord because he is now our Lord. He's always been our Lord. He's the Lord of everything. But now we call him as he is because he is. He has made himself Lord in our hearts. Oh, that I pray God will make himself Lord to you before you go through that door marked death. Oh, how I pray that he had made Arlie himself Lord to Arlie before he went through that door marked death. And I know that he can. This is the light that shines. God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. What is the knowledge and the glory of God? It's in the face of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Now turn over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. People who know me best, those who know me, who knew me before the Lord of all that is, before he had called me out of darkness, have seen the difference in me today than what I was before. What is it they see? They see a different man. They see a man who sins. Do they see a man who sins no more? Do they see a man who walks uprightly? Do they see a man who is just and perfect? <laughs> no. No, they see a man who occasionally lets one of those words as a truck driver slip out of his mouth. They see a man who occasionally puffs up his chest and says, see what I did? See how straight that ball went right down the fairway? Do you see what I did? I may try, folks, to be a just man. I try to turn away from my sins. I try to be a better man than I was, but the truth is I'm not. In the sight of God, I am still in the flesh a sinner. 
Yet in the sight of God, those sins have been laid upon my Savior. That's the difference. That's the difference with you. That's the same difference with you. You're still a sinner, but if you belong to God, your sins have been paid for. Many walk this earth more righteously than I do. Many could be seen as a better person. Harley, you might say, you would say, actually, is a better person. Some may be even called a better Christian than I. What do those who cross my path see in me that was not there before? What is this light shining in me? As one who has been given the gift of faith, I now credit all things that happen to the one who rules all that is. That's the difference. That's the difference between me now and then. I wonder, what's the difference between you and what you were before God called you? What's the difference before you? Have you heard of the word repentance? It means to turn from something and turn to something else. John the Baptist preached repentance. He went about re pre preaching repentance. What was it he was preaching repentance of? He was living in a world of people. People who had become so religious that that was their God. Their religion. It was no longer the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It was no longer the one who would deliver them. And it had become what they were doing. That was their God. They were so religious, their ceremonies, their actions, their standing in the courtyards, praying out loud to bring attention to themselves. It was all about my religious my religion, rather than the one who could deliver. He preached repentance, meaning turning from. Turn from this self-righteous religion that you're in. Turn away from the religions of the world and turn to the one. You see, that's what repentance is. It's turn away from that and turn to him. Turn away from the religion of self, of believing, I'm a good person, therefore I am. That's what Arlie believed. When I first sat down and began talking with him in details about some of the things of God, his first belief was all about how a good person he had been. I'm going to see my wife in heaven, he would say, because we've been good people. That's our nature, folks. You don't even have to be religious to have that thought. <coughs> Here's repentance to a sinner, to one who has been called out of darkness. I once walked in darkness, and now I walk in his light because of him. Because he has given me life. Because he has given me faith. Because he has given me a new heart to believe. Because he has placed a new song in my heart. Because he, because he, because he, not because I. 
Not because I made the decision, but because he made that decision. It's our nature to take credit for what we can. It's the nature of God in us that gives him the credit for everything. It used to be all about me, but now it's all about the Lord. The difference between then and now is now I believe God. I believe his word about what I am before him dead in trespasses and sin. I believe his word that he chose me from before the world was, not me just choosing him. I believe, I believe that his blood was shed for a limited amount of people, and because it was for that limited amount of people, they shall be saved. I believe that his grace, when he shed it upon me and called me out of darkness, I came because of him. Not because of me. And I believe he's sitting on his throne right now, keeping me every moment of every day. Do you? Do you believe? Our verse, our text said, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, to give the light, the knowledge the knowledge of who God is in the face of His Son, the Lord Jesus. There is no subject more important than the nature and the extent and the inward changes that take place in us when a man is savingly joined to Christ. Some want to think that this is sanctification is God's work and that man has nothing to do with it. They say that God saves us, He sanctifies us, and works His will in us, and we need to give no concern to the matter of our holiness within our flesh. Others think that the work of sanctification is a personal holiness in man's work entirely, and they give God and, and it gives God us the means and the ways to see what He will, what will make us what we will make of ourselves. Peter proves both of those to be error. On the one hand, he teaches that we are the elect of God, born of the Spirit, given a new nature, a new heart a new direction, and indwelt by the Spirit of God. But on the other hand, this dramatic change is accomplished through the knowledge and the belief of the truth. Read it for yourselves in 2 Thessalonians 2.13 or Mark 16.15-16. Folks, we are born again. We are born again from those who used to walk in darkness. Now we walk in light. If you don't walk in that light, you need to Examine yourself. Am I in the faith? Are you with me here in 1 Peter chapter 2? Look at verse 1 if you would. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, and hypocrisies and envies, and all evil speakings, Paul's encouraging us, he's telling us, lay aside all thoughts of malice that you can. Lay aside all the guile that was in you, all the hypocrisies and the envies and all the evil speakings. He's exhorting us to lay aside to be done with those things. Things that are disagreeable and contrary to spiritual life. And it's not a once and for all situation. It's accomplished by a continual effort of laying aside the following. Lay aside malice, ill will, and ill feelings towards others. When those feelings build up in you, I encourage you as Paul, lay them aside. Folks, 
Let me stop for just a moment. Any man who does not preach grace, any man who does not preach grace is not preaching the gospel, but we must also preach the responsibility. They go hand in hand. Where that line lies, I can't tell you. And any man who tries to doesn't know what he's talking about. Scripture gives us both. Salvation is by grace, but the works are because of grace. Turn from your malice, your ill will, your ill feeling towards others. Turn from guile and deceit. Turn from hypocrisies. Turn from envy. Turn from evil speaking. Look at verses 2 and 3. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Paul takes for granted, or Peter takes for granted that we're born again. He's speaking to the children of God, the family of God, therefore as babies. As a baby desires milk, we too should have the same hunger, the same thirst of the word of God that we may grow in grace and love and the knowledge and patience and humility and in faith. Verse 3, if so be ye have tasted, here's that milk, that the Lord is gracious. This is the milk that guides us and helps us to turn away from malice, to turn away from guile, to turn away from hypocrisies, to turn away from envies and all evil speakings. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming as to into a living stone, verse 4, disallowed, rejected indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. To whom coming, it says, that means believing on Christ and living in Christ. These are not isolated acts of faith, but a continuous coming to Him, continually exercising a faith in His love towards us, His grace towards us, His blood towards us, and his intercession. We came to Christ and we continue to come to him looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We come unto him as a living stone. Peter's not a rock upon which the church is built on. Christ is that stone. Christ is our solid foundation. He was rejected and refused by religious people of that day and chosen to the Father as our surety. Head of the church, Savior of the body, and heir to all things. Verses 5 and 6. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Believers are stones found in the same quarry as all men are, but were dug out by God's grace separated by God's Spirit and given life by our Lord Jesus Christ. We are made spiritual, a spiritual building and we become the house of God, as it says in Hebrews 3.6. This is the distinction from, mater from the material tabernacle of the old, which was the presence, which the presence of God dwelt in as a type. We are the tabernacle of God spiritually. We are a holy priesthood like priests of old who offer sacrifices of faith 
offerings of love and praise acceptable to God in our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Did you know that 1 Peter 2.6 is a quotation from the Old Testament? Listen to Isaiah 2.28.14. Wherefore, hear the Lord, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people which are in Jerusalem. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we, er, are we at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, sure, a sure foundation, he that believeth shall make haste. Those false religionists sought acceptance. They sought deliverance, protection, and judgment in a form of ceremony and works in their religion. Their religion had become their God. They were not afraid, for they felt secure in what they had done. But their refuge and their lies shall be, shall be what destroys them. Look at verses 7 and 8. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Unto you who have seen your guilt, who have seen your inability, who have seen your need of a Savior, who have seen His grace and power to save, who have received Him as prophet, priest, and king, He is precious. Isn't that what brings us back every Sunday? To hear about our precious Savior? To hear about how our precious Savior became a man for us? To hear how our precious Savior shed His own blood for us, not to have religious ceremonies. Although we do come to the table of remembrance, to you and I, he is precious in every way. But for the unbelieving, the very stone which they reject and refuse to become the main cornerstone of, by decree and act of God, therefore, instead of being to them the foundation of their refuge, he is a stone and the cause of them to stumble. That's what we read in Romans 9.32. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, they stumbled at the stumbling stone. That could be you and I, folks. Every message brings us right back to this. That could be you and I. But God. But grace. Our Lord says in verse 33, As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. What is that light in us? As we walk through this world, it's the light of Christ. It's the light of him as our Savior. It becomes obvious to those who walk in our lives that we have turned from self, from ourselves as being gods, to look into the one and true 
God Almighty in the face of his Son, the Lord Jesus. How am I different than before? The songwriter puts it best, who wrote these words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I see the glory of God in the face of my substitute. And that substitute is Jesus Christ, my Savior. Amen.